Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology. We are the podcast that believes in three things. Strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Last episode, you heard us go through the first quarter of the bracket and make the first round selections for the best comic book movie of all time. We are into the second quarter of the bracket this week. Which of these movies is going to move on to the final four, and will one of them eventually be chosen as the best comic book movie of all time? There's only one way to find out. Keep listening and enjoy the show. Now, we are on to our, uh, what is this, second, I don't even know what you consider this. It's the second second part of the bracket. Yeah, we we, we should have named these brackets, Chris. Or you should have named these Oh, brackets. I'm sorry. Did I not have enough t- free time this week to do shit? Well, you had time to watch some terrible movies, so. I did mm-hmm. watch Swamp Thing. I could have been naming brackets. You're right. Yeah. Probably would have been better off. <laughs> would have been a better use of my time. Yeah, the same result. We're on to our second part of the bracket here. And for our first matchup, we have our strong number one seed of Thor Ragnarok versus, in some people's opinion, a strong number 16 seed of Bulletproof Monk. (laughs) We're going to get started with Mike here. What are your thoughts? Oh, man. Uh, You know, I, I, I saw Bulletproof Monk once. I remember being very entertained by it. And then haven't really thought about it until this bracket came along and I saw, oh, Bulletproof Monk. I remember that movie having existed. It was fun. You know, it's, it's you know, strike, stop me if you heard this before, like I said about the previous 16th seed, like a lot of us did. If you've got two hours and you see it, go watch it. You'll have a good time. Thor Ragnarok took what was probably the MCU's most boring like standalone character through its first two movies like weakest standalone character it thor had been better done in the avengers movies and stuff like that like i think that i think he was kind of one of those that not a whole lot of people felt like they super cared about his solo outings i mean thor the dark world is generally accepted as probably the weakest mcu film uh not because not necessarily thor's fault it's really probably malekith's fault neither here nor there thor ragnarok took that character Made it fun, had a blast with it. Taika Waititi's directing is phenomenal. This is Thor Ragnarok all the way. All right, we've got one for Thor Ragnarok. Chris, what's your vote? Um, I don't f- share Mike's vigor for Bulletproof Monk. I did not like that movie. Meanwhile, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok is phenomenal. It's one of the best comic book movies ever made. It's Thor Ragnarok. Like I'm not gonna waste time on it, Thor. Next. All right, thanks. Thanks for not beating around that bush, Tony. What is your vote here? Look, so I, I saw Bulletproof Monk years ago when I was watching, you know, Jackie Chan and, and, and Jet Li movies, and it just—I didn't realize at the time that it was even a comic book movie because it doesn't have necessarily that feel that we've come to associate with comic book movies. Uh, Years later, I did find out that yes, there's a comic book. Still have not read them, but uh, I don't. I don't think we really need to beat on it. it it's it's a horrible matchup for it. Thor Ragnarok is by far top tier MCU, um, which you know will go down as probably the the most influential comic book series there is. Uh, Taika Waititi and and every hit and every stride he made to make Thor the most enjoyable you know, comedy-filled badass there is. You know, one minute he's ripping through an army, uh, beating Surtur down to his knees to the next moment. He's swinging on a pole or on, on a chain, just ripping into a comedic bit that just you would never see coming from Thor, or, uh, the original Thor. Uh, what what those two did to that character and what they allowed him to do and continue to do with that character just seals this deal. Uh, Thor Ragnarok all the way. All right. Well, thank you for not beating around that bush. Tony, Jen, what are your thoughts? This is a horrible matchup. Like, these two movies are on completely different planes of existence. Bulletproof Monk, 
I thought was fun. Chris will sit there and say that I demanded to have this on the list. Not the case. I was just like, oh, hey, did you know that that was a comic? But it Big was fun. Bulletproof Monk was fun. Oh, shut up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Bulletproof Monk was fun. You know, it was just one of those, you know, goofy whatever movies. Thor Ragnarok is, yeah, it, by far my favorite movie from the MCU. Taika Waititi is just, he's my favorite human being, like, ever. And this movie just, it's funny. It still has, you know, it, it, it brings, you know, more characters into, you know, the main storyline of the, you know, all of the Avenger movies. It, I mean, I just, there's, there's so many things going on with Thor Ragnarok that, I mean, I, I can't even explain how I feel about his, it's just such an epic movie. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be Ragnarok. All right. We've got our fourth for Ragnarok. Steven, what say you? So uh, Taika Waititi did something exceptional with the Thor universe in Thor Ragnarok, and that's he added a thing called color. And that in and of itself was enough to elevate it above all the previous iterations of Thor. I, I don't know why we had that problem before then. I don't know why we thought the guy with the yellow beard and the red cape needed to have a mauve cape. And an orangey beard? Um, and the secret to that one is also uh, that Chris Fella is kind of funny. So if you just kind of let him mug at the camera and don't interrupt the shots, it's going to be a better film than anything you want before. Uh, Thor Ragnarok's a lot of fun. It has the usual Marvel villain problem. Uh, I don't like the fact that Hela steals her uh, all of her superpowers from a much better villain, from a much better run of Thor. That um, if probably about 10 years ago now, but that uh, beginning of Thor Mighty Thunder, which is a great, great run of Thor, or Thor God of Thunder, I think is what that one was called. Anyway, uh, Thor Ragnarok is a wonderful movie. It will get my vote to run the next round, and uh, Bulletproof Monk is also a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've made it very clear where we stand on this round. Thor Ragnarok in a sweep is moving on to the round two. I will say also the addition of eyebrows for uh, Chris Hemsworth's Thor <laughs> and his standalone films was a great choice. By right? <laughs> yes. Well done, Taika. We all appreciate you. Moving on to our second matchup here. We have a number eight seated Wanted versus a number nine seated X2 X-Men United. We are getting started here with Chris, it looks like. Oh God! Um, what what say ye? So I remember I remember when Wanted came out. Like everyone was talking about Wanted, um, groundbreaking visuals. You know, an amazing story. Angelina Jolie at the top of her game, and that's fine. But X Two is the best iteration we've seen in film of the relationship between Xavier. And Magneto. It is two classic actors actually freaking acting in a comic book movie. It's the best X-Men movie that's ever been released. It's a character study. Steven, you can you can wag your head all you want. It's a character study of persecution. It's a character study of not knowing who you are. And I know Brian Singer, I I have nothing good to say about Brian Singer. I get it. X2 is for me on the Mount Rushmore of comic movie, comic book movies because it did what no comic book movie at that point in time had made me do. I genuinely cared about the characters that were in that movie. Not so much Jean Grey. But I cared about uh, I cared about Xavier. I genuinely cared about Magneto. And the turn at the end, where Magneto just turns to everyone and says, you homo sapiens and your guns, rang true now as much as it did back then. And leave it alone that it's a parable for being homosexual in America. You can You can include that part if you don't. It's a phenomenal movie. 
and it completely washed out the third act problems I had with the original X-Men movie and all the damn exposition X1 had. X2, for all their Matrix-style leather suits, is a phenomenal movie. It's X2. And to me, I love that movie. I genuinely love that movie. Well, we know where Chris stands. Tony, what's your vote for? Um, so to kind of to kind of build off what Chris said, the fact that even amongst their acting, um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are or not, um, are, are just background characters still. Like they are filling out the ensemble. You know, this this movie is still very much, and and of course. It, it is the case with most of the X-Men movies that have been released, a Wolverine film. Um, his whole entire identity crisis in this with Stryker and Weapon X, or not so much Weapon X, that doesn't really tie into this too much, but the program in itself that created Wolverine. Um, yeah, you get Lady Deathstroke, who is an interesting character and has her own weaknesses. Uh, the movie has its weaknesses, but... It, it it's still far and above what I think wanted wanted to portray. Uh, I, re- I I can re- still remember all the jokes about curving the bullet and everything, and, and not even James McAvoy, Morgan Freeman, and Angelina Jolie could save that movie. Uh, not not to bring it to the level that X two is on. Very good, very good, Jen. What do you think? So wanted. James McAvoy is one of the best actors I've ever seen. I mean, his range of characters is just phenomenal. Um, Wanted was, it was good. It wasn't my favorite movie, um, but it was good. I had fun with it. X2 is, it's X2. It's um, not my favorite X-Men movie, but it's not the worst. Um, for this purpose, between these two movies, though, I'm I'm gonna have to go with X two. There's just a lot more to it, and the visual effects, you know, some of them are, are really good, and I just really love the X Men. So, all right, we've got our third vote for X two, Stephen. Where are you going to sit here? So X2, um, it's got a lot of the Fox X-Men, Brian Singer issues. It's got a lot of characters that are really interesting characters in the comics that are just thrown away. I mean, Lady Deathstroke's there, but she's literally brainwashed without her personality for the entire film. So that doesn't count. It's a waste of a great character. Um, They realized very early on that Professor Xavier was too powerful, so in all those early X-Men films, he gets taken out in the very first act, and he just kind of becomes a background character, so yeah, Patrick Stewart's doing a great job during the first scene and the last scene in the movie when he's awake and conscious and being himself. Uh, uh, Wanted? Does anybody really remember Wanted? We talk about how great the actors were in other roles... You know, but, you know, Wanted was there. It's the best Bon Jovi song, though, right? Like, it is. That's what I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. When you hear the word Wanted, you don't think of this film. You think of the Bon Jovi song. Thank you for helping my point, Chris. Uh, But no, when it... The reason X2 is going to clearly win this is because of that Nightcrawler scene that opens up the movie. Because that was the first time on film, I saw a comic book character do something a comic book character would do. I saw him acting like Nightcrawler. I saw him using his powers intelligently. Like, as much as I like those first two Superman movies, Superman forgets what powers he has all the time. Stop punching people. You got laser vision. You got freeze ray breath. Come on. No, that was Nightcrawler being Nightcrawler, and that showed me a potential that I don't think X2 achieves throughout i think it falls back into the brian singer traps that stops it from being the best x-men movie but for that scene alone for alan cummings whole performance there and you know that's also hugh jackman maturing into that role that sees much more wolverine in there than he is in x1 
And I think that should be the baseline for comic book movies in general. So X2, not my favorite. I don't think it's going to win the entire bracket, but it's definitely the better film here. Very good. And Mike? Um, just want to say a couple things real quick, because X2 is moving on. Uh, I understand why they did it, because they were already overwhelmed with characters. But the thing that still drives me nuts about X2 is that scene when Colossus shows up, and he's like helping everybody out. And he goes, let me help you. And Wolverine goes, help them. And we never hear from Colossus again. And that kind of sucks. Accurate. The two, the two things that I remember about Wanted that make me love it. And by the way, first of all, I'd like to point out when I think when I hear Wanted, I think of the refreshment song Wanted uh, rather than the Bon Jovi song. But that's because <laughs> I'm a weird music person. Uh, when I but when I think about the movie Wanted, the two things I think about are Morgan Freeman saying the word motherfucker and James McAvoy smashing the future Star Lord across the face with a keyboard. Uh, and those two scenes are fantastic. Overall, the movie, kind of meh. Uh, listeners can't see. I'm wearing my X-Men uh, t-shirt. This is definitely X2. All right. We've got another sweep here in the second bracket. X2 is moving on to the second round. Our third matchup in this bracket is the fifth seed, Captain America Winter Soldier versus 12 Mystery Men. We're going to go ahead and get started with Tony. So, and, and I'm sorry, this is literally the one movie that I'm, I have no recollection of or no prior knowledge of. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Chris. I can see your face. I, I haven't heard of Mystery Men. You're so young. Oh, Ben's oh my God, you are. Orlando Jones, come on, Janine Garofalo. Uh, you wow. you say these names and they do mean things to me, but not in this context. <laughs> I I do not know this movie. Um, that being said, I still think that Winter Soldier is by far the best Captain America movie. Uh, it gave a different side to Captain America than most people are used to. Um, and. And the chemistry that him and uh, Natasha Romanoff have in this movie, uh, it's a testament to kind of what Scarlett Johansson is capable of when she actually wants to act. Uh, she is a great actress when she puts her mind to it. Um, so the, the amount that I know about Mystery Men versus how I feel about Winter Soldier, I don't think it would have been very... Very close regardless, so I do have to move forward with Winter Soldier. All right, we've got a vote for Captain America. Let's see. Jen, what are your thoughts here? I'm like stunned that he doesn't know what Mystery Men is. I mean, the cast. I mean, Hank Azaria, Paul Rubens, Eddie Izzard, Janine Garofalo, Ben Stiller... You know, I mean, all of these, was it Kel was in it, wasn't he? Kel, he was. um, mm-hmm. Kel Mitchell? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, Tom, Tom Waits, Ben Stiller. Okay, I'm looking so, this up. Has I'm anyone even said up. Greg Kinnear yet? And no, I'm okay, Greg so. Kinnear, oh my gosh. Like, I'm so many up. awesome actors, and the and characters are so funny, and they just, I, 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 I laugh so hard at this movie all the time. And my favorite in mean, Paul Rubin's character is just hilarious to me because again, I like stupid comedy, but I love mystery men. I mean, Janine Garofalo with the bowling ball. And I mean, it's just awesome. Um, on the flip side, winter soldier. I mean that to me, I, I mean, I agree. That's my favorite Captain America movie. Um, and it really, it, it sets a lot of the, the backstory and stuff like that go, you know, for everything going forward. Um, and it's really, really hard to put the two together because you have mystery men from what, like the late nineties. It came out in like 99, I think mm-hmm. 98, 99. And then captain America where, you know, you could do so much more with it, but I, I don't know, guys, I think I'm going to have to go with mystery men here. A solid, solid vote. Steven, what do you say? Yeah, uh, Mystery Men just pulled a hard bracket here. Uh, It is a great movie. It's 
way under its budget and way ahead of its time, I think is the best way to sum it up because it was done on a shoestring with a lot of smart people mm-hmm. thinking about the world in ways that wasn't relevant maybe at the time because it didn't do well at the time, even though it was brilliant. Uh, well acted, extremely funny, but it's going against Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And that is a great movie. That's a movie that absolutely works uh, for the Captain America uh, you know my thoughts about uh, Civil War. I don't have any problems with Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That might be the best MCU movie. I don't. It's debatable, but like, if somebody brings that, I'm not going to step to them. That's not the hill I'm going to die on. So, Captain America: The Winter Soldier wins this hands down. I feel bad for Mystery Men. If you haven't seen it, go out and see it. It's definitely worth a watch. Captain America: The Winter Soldier is a juggernaut, though. It's it's a really great film. It, it wins. All right, we've got two for Captain America: Winter Soldier, one for Mystery Men. Mike, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, Mystery Men is one I've all I, I saw when it came out. I've always wanted to go back and revisit it. I because I remember really enjoying it, really being entertained by it at the time. Uh, I and I and I to to draw basketball related parallels unfortunately my wife's not here i showed her the, i showed her this bracket she goes yeah i haven't seen like three quarters of these movies you're on your own um <laughs> but uh but i did i did you know bringing it back you always look for the 12 5 upset there's always one in like almost every ncaa tournament in the last 30 years there was one like six years ago when there wasn't one and it was really strange uh so you're always looking for the 12 5 upset and i thought this might be it uh I actually have my own. It's coming later uh, to give a little teaser there. Uh, it's going to probably crack you guys up. But for, for me, I can't I can't do it this one. Um, I, like I said, I wanted to go back and rewatch it. Mystery Men, I remember really enjoying it. Captain America Winter Soldier is, as Steven said, it's the best of the Captain America movies. It really refines that character and turns – that's the first movie. He'd been in Avengers after the first Avenger where he now was in modern times and all that kind of stuff like that. They don't take a whole lot of time to develop it. They even said they, they, they filmed the scenes where they were kind of developing that integration. They decided, yeah, that's better deferred to the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier does it. It does it really well. And, and if, you, if you were paying attention to all the comic book stuff that was going on in that time – it dovetailed in with the – this is the only time they, they tried to do this because it was so ridiculously hard to do. But it dovetailed into the television series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the whole Hydra takeover and everything like that. And watching all that happen as a, as a fan of the universe and everything like that was really exciting. Not to, not to mention the fact that it's just a great film. So I, I, think, I think this is a tough draw for Mystery Men. I uh, would have liked to have seen it gone further because I do remember it being a lot of fun. But this is The Winter Soldier. All right, and coming up on last, Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's Winter Soldier is one of the best, if not the best, Marvel movie, and I'll, I'll die on that hill. It's top two, and I go back and forth with myself between that and the other one over and over again about which one is better. That being said, Mystery Men is 15 years too early. If Mystery Men came out in the middle of the MCU craze, Mystery Men is a cult, is, it already is a cult classic, but it's... It gets a lot more play than it does. Mystery Men is phenomenal. And it's a really tough draw. To go up against what I do consider one of the top two comic book movies or MCU films to come out. Oh, that's tough. It's Winter Soldier. And Gary Shandling. By the way, they were Gary Shandling in this movie. <laughs> they did. It is so creepy. It's so funny. It's Winter Soldier, man. Um, if for nothing else, in the one scene with uh, Nick Fury in the car, the assault scene on the SUV, that movie's phenomenal. Like, top to bottom, endlessly watchable. But don't take that away. Go If you have not seen Mystery Men, like Janine Garofalo is pitch perfect. It's a great movie. It's a tough draw at this spot. But it's a great movie. Go see it. It's 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 Winter Soldier, though. All right, I think we all want to go ahead and see Mystery Men if we haven't, and we're moving on with Captain America Winter Soldier. On to our fourth matchup of this bracket. We have the fourth-seeded Spider-Man Homecoming versus the 13th-seeded Birds of Prey. Up with our first vote, we've got Jen. So, I have not seen Birds of Prey. It was not a movie that I even wanted to see like uh 
it did not seem like it would be fun. I don't know, but it, it, I had no interest in seeing Birds of Prey. Um, on the other hand, Spider-Man Homecoming, he is my favorite Spider-Man and I've seen them all and he is just phenomenal in this role. And I mean, I'm going to have to speak Spider-Man anyways, because again, it's the only one that I've seen, but yeah, it, it's just a phenomenal movie. And I, I, once they took over the Spider-Man stuff, it, it's finally hitting true to Spider-Man in my opinion. All right. We've got one vote for Spider-Man homecoming. Steven, let's get your vote. So uh, birds of prey it's actually not a bad film. I think if the DCEU hadn't completely fallen off the rails before this one came out, we'd probably have a lot more respect for it, a lot more gone to see it. But the Warner Brothers has wasted all goodwill it has. So a middling film is just, it's not going to get any respect. And this film is a middling film at best. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming uh, is what I think the best example of Marvel's phase three, where they stopped just making superhero movies and they made movies with superheroes in them. This works as a high school teen comedy with or without the Spider-Man parts. Now, obviously you'd have to fill something in to make up for the lost time without the Spider-Man parts, but it's still, it's, it's about an awkward teen kid trying to get the girl. It turns out that he's been a rival with the girl's dad the whole time. That would work in a John Hughes movie. That works fine. And if you want to see some great directing and some great light cueing, watch, and some great acting, the scene at the red light, where they're sitting there in the car, and they stop at the red light, and it's just completely red on his face, and then the moment he realizes that Peter Parker's Spider-Man, it turns green, so he's the vulture's color all of a sudden, Oh my god, that was brilliant. Why would more people need to study these films for the art they are because there are those little nuggets like that that's beautiful. Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man, mostly because he looks like a kid in high school <laughs> and not someone who's pushing 38 and really, really doughy. Um, <laughs> also, he's fun. That's something that has been missing from the previous Spider-Man film. This film's a lot of fun. Top to bottom, I, I like Karen. Just she exists simply so Spider-Man doesn't seem crazy when he's talking to himself. But that's what you need. Uh, so Suit Lady's great. Spider-Man's great. Spider-Man Homecoming's great. It's clearly the better movie. And uh, you know, Birds of Prey. If, when it pops up on Netflix, if you hadn't seen it and we're still quarantining, you know, fold your laundry and watch it. It's that kind of movie. All right. Got another one for Spider-Man Homecoming. Mike, what's your vote? Uh, so uh, circumstantially, even prior to this whole quarantining COVID-19 thing, I don't get a chance to get out to the theaters very much. So like Jen, I have not seen Birds of Prey. It is incredibly hard to imagine it beating Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think, uh, uh, you know, as Steven said, is just such a really well done variation on the superhero theme. We're gonna. Uh, I sound. We're gonna have a lot more time to talk about it in the upcoming round. So I won't belabor the point right now. Spider-Man: Homecoming wins this one. All right, Spider-Man: Homecoming. It is Chris. What say you? So far be it for me to come up with a hot take. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Spider-Man's okay. Birds of Prey. I had a problem with until I went back after the movie. And I listened to the director, of, I don't know if it was the director or the screenwriter that said that the entire movie is viewed through the prism of Harley Quinn's mind and how absolutely jacked up her mind is. And then that movie comes into focus is actually a very interesting character study of mental illness. With that being said, It took me until Avengers Infinity War to accept Tom Holland as my Spider-Man. I know, I know. That's a weird statement to say. Um, but the twist at the end that I did not see coming, the twist with the green light floored me. That turned a basic... It's a John, Hughes, John Hughes-ish movie. I get it. But I, I was long removed from high school. I didn't care. When that moment hit, 
I was hooked. And it turned an okay movie into something that came so far out of left field to make me genuinely give a shit. It's it's homecoming. It's Birds of Prey is fun. It's fun. Especially when you go in knowing that the entire movie, the entire narrative of that film is driven on the premise of Harley Quinn telling a story, so it's her interpretation of the events that actually happened. It's a fun movie. It doesn't make up for that twist at the end of Spider-Man. That twist, no one, I'm sorry, no one saw that coming. You couldn't have seen that coming. And holy crap, does that not hit you as a, go back and put yourself in high school as a teen male? Holy crap. That'll hit you like a ton of bricks. That alone, it's homecoming, man. Homecoming's phenomenal just because of that one moment. That being said, Uh the ship scene, the scene on the ship is bullshit. It does not hold water. Actually, it holds too much water. That ship would have sank. There would have been 250 to 400 dead bodies floating down the freaking Hudson. That being said, it's still homecoming. I don't need Iron Man in that movie either, by the way. I don't. I get the representation they're drawing there. I don't need it. It's a great movie. And Marissa Tomei is a phenomenal casting. His anime. Mike Mutt is raising his hand. What do you want to say, Mike? <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for belaboring the exact thing I wasn't going to belabor because it was clearly going to be discussed in future rounds. But yes, the twist, phenomenal. Sorry, I'm not one for, you know. That's okay. Forever. I was just laughing because oh, right. I'm like, God damn you, Chris, for saying all the things that I was holding off saying because. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, for the 18th time, <laughs> thank you, Chris. Uh, let's move on to Tony and see what he has to say, or who cares? <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless of my opinion on, on this, uh, clearly Spider-Man is the one that's going through. Um, I won't spend too much time. Uh, as you can see, I am wearing a Spider-Man shirt, one of my favorite all-time comic book characters. Take it Tom off. Holland. Take it off. You don't want that. <laughs> You don't want that. Um, Spider-Man is one of my all-time favorite comic book characters. Tom Holland is my Spider-Man. Sorry, Tobey Maguire. You're the only one with a a horse in this race, because Andrew Garfield, we can all forget about him. Uh, But... Who? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Birds of Prey. Sorry, Chris. That nugget of information about whether the, the director or screenwriter almost worsens the movie for me. Because the whole entire point for Harley Quinn, in my my opinion, is that once she leaves the Joker in almost every iteration, she starts to stabilize. Not not completely sane. I, nobody who's gone through what that poor woman has gone through in the comic books will ever be completely sane. But she starts to stabilize a little bit, especially with friendships with Poison Ivy, who would have been much more warranted in this movie than somebody like friendships? Black Canary friendships with poison okay. Ivy? you can take it further i was trying to keep it pg there's obviously a lot of sexual tension between her and poison ivy at many points in the comic books yeah yes yes chris i know trying trying to be nice about this boy um she's seen the venus flytrap oh she is definitely <laughs> <laughs> spit take i got a spit take from chris <laughs> I, I think that the ensemble that they had, and as much as I love Ewan McGregor and everything he does, him as Black Mask was just not a fit. No, he's not intimidating enough. He's not imposing enough. It's not a good fit. Spider-Man has to take this solely because of those those few reasons. Alrighty then. Well, that was a fun one. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, the fourth seat is moving on. On to our next matchup. We've got the 6th ranked Avengers versus the 11th seeded Sin City. I believe we're going ahead and starting with Steven on this one. So I remember seeing Sin City in theaters and walking out and thinking I had just had one of the greatest cinema experiences of my life. And then I remember the next what decade and a half after never thinking of Sin City again until this bracket came up. Uh, no, no. Sin City looks good. It's very sleek, but it's not 
it's not that good. It's not that it, it's I think it's more spectacle than it is story is its ultimate problem that there's a lot of very neat things going on that really catch your eye at the moment but it's ultimately a hollow experience the Avengers do you know how many times I've gone back and watched that piece of popcorn fluff that has nothing to it except people in bright costumes punching aliens so many times I love people in bright costumes punching aliens I love the fact that we've got this weird, like, the eighth villain in a row that year that wanted to be captured, but somehow this one still seems to work because he's the god of mischief, and therefore it's a thing he would do, and that doesn't work for anyone else, so stop doing it unless you've got a god of mischief. Now, Avengers is the better film. I'm giving it to Avengers. All right, Avengers has got a point here. Mike, what's your vote? So uh, this is one of those, uh, I have a few of these. This is one of those damn you for this matchup matchups, Chris, because Sin City is one of those movies that it's just so visually interesting and it was so unique for its time. And, it, and again, as Steven said, you walk out and you're going, that was such an interesting cinematic experience. I feel like it's one of those movies that deserves to go at least one round. And it ain't going to do it with the Avengers. Come on. This thing was a game change. Like, no one, we were talking earlier about miraculous movies that existed. Like, yes, it's a miracle that Infinity War existed, but it was a miracle years before that that Avengers even existed. This was never supposed to work, and it did, and it was so much fun. And, Chris, you know, we we went and saw that whole Marvel movie marathon for phase one. We, we've never had the cojones to try and do it for any of the other phases because they're just getting to did, be too damn many films at this point. But we did it for phase one and it was a blast. And it was w- honestly one of my favorite experiences cinematically ever. I've gone back and rewatched it a ton. Still a lot of fun. This is this is very clearly the Avengers. All right. Another vote for the Avengers. Chris, let's see what hot take you've got here. I don't have a hot take. I originally had circled um, one movie, and I'm going to switch it at the last second because one of these movies is a self-contained unit. The other is a series of four stories wrapped into one film. Now, go back and look at what Robert Rodriguez had to do to get uh, Frank Miller. Was it Frank Miller? Who was it? Stephen, who wrote that movie? Who wrote the comic book of Sin City? Frank Miller. You're right. It Frank, it's Frank Miller. Miller. Yep. Yeah, if it's a bleak deconstruction of superheroes that get progressively more insane each time he writes it, it's Frank Miller. So go back and look at the the opening scene. I think it's the bookend scene from Sin City. Is Josh Hartnett's story arc in that movie. That is exactly what, just so you know, that's what Robert Rodriguez, who is one of the best visual directors working today, bar none. Let that sink in, bar none. That's what Robert Rodriguez used to convince Frank Miller to let him make this movie. And then Robert Rodriguez is no idiot. He brings in Quentin Tarantino to direct a scene. Like that scene with Clive Owen and Benicio Del Toro driving down the road where Benicio Del Toro's slit open neck is just flopping in the wind is amazing. But John Favreau had the smarts to say Joss Whedon needs to direct this movie. And became one of the linchpins of my cinematic experiences in life. I remember there were four of us sitting in a theater watching the the Marvel movie Marathon. I still have those lanyards hanging in my freaking... Actually, right over there. There was nothing to me. There's very little to me that means more than sitting in that movie theater watching Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man 2, and then capping it off with an 11 p.m. showing of the Avengers with Joss Whedon at the helm that made me give a shit about Hawkeye, for God's sake. <laughs> it's oh, the, no. I love Sin City. I, Sin City is a real, this is the worst draw of the tournament. It's the worst draw of the tournament. Sin City doesn't get its due for being a phenomenal film, but it's not a complete film. Avengers, top to bottom, is a complete complete film, and I can't rem- I can't think that a kid that read Rebel Without a Crew at the age of twenty years old in college and wanted to make his own movie would ever vote against Robert Rodriguez is going to vote against Robert Rodriguez. But it's 
it's the Avengers, man. That movie's phenomenal. Even today, I get goosebumps. And also, by the way, also, what Avengers got right that man, that Batman vs. Superman didn't is Captain America calling out orders to get people out of the damn buildings. Get the civilians out. And all Bruce Wayne cared about in Batman vs. Superman is protecting that one little girl. And the fact that Joss Whedon had that type of introspection and Zack Snyder didn't tells you everything you need to know but what went wrong for me with the DCEU and what went right for me in the MCU. And this is as a kid that read DC Comics for years. It's it's Avengers, man. It is. All right. It is Avengers. And Tony, what's your vote? So I won't belabor much of what has been said about Avengers and Sin City. Um, I talk a lot. My one sorry. Little, what, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, my one little caveat about Sin City, a, a, as incredible as it was when it came out, unfortunately, a lot unlike a lot of the other comic book movies to where you know, we can get a lot of the same sort of things going on, same sort of moving parts, and kind of see the same sort of movies over and over again to where their fresh takes on it aren't really adding too much, but are just enough to enjoy the additional movies. Um, I think Sin City suffered from the exact opposite of that, to where Sin City, you know, kind of fell flat after um, the the spirit and... Uh, a game to kill came for came out um going back to that it kind of cheapens what sin city was um and i have watched all three of those movies and since watched sin city again and i just i couldn't feel it again uh that grit that that nastiness that that is frank miller just kind of got cheapened by the additional films uh whether they be direct sequels or or not um it just kind of cheapened the experience for me. Uh, with that being said, Avengers is, is what it is. It's a behemoth. It's a juggernaut in this in this fight. And um, had Sin City gone up against some of the other movies in this bracket or even in this you know tournament, I, I think you could make a very solid argument for it to move past. But against the Avengers, it's just a flat hand. So Avengers has to go through. All right, another one for Avengers, Jen. Unpopular opinion time. <laughs> so when I first saw Sin City in the theaters, and this is unpopular, like you know, an unpopular opinion with my friends as well. Um, I I don't know why I can't. I was never able to put my finger on it. You know, couldn't really figure out why, but I completely hated Sin City. I don't know why. Something about it, I was just like, eh. When I left the theaters, I was like, eh, I'm never going to see this again. This is this is bullshit. I just, I, I don't know why. I, I've never been able to put it into words. I just, I didn't like it. Whereas here we have Avengers. And I mean, it's Avengers. It's like, it's another one of the movies that when you, it's really all the MCU movies, how everything tied in with the TV show and everything just kind of clicks. And it's just, there is no way that you can say that Sin City, even if I did like it, it would be better than that because Loki, I mean, I'm going to marry him someday. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just what it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's Avengers for me all the way. Screw Sin City. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, we are on a record pace here. This is our fourth sweep of this round. Avengers is moving on to the next round. On to our next matchup. We have the third ranked Aquaman versus the 14th ranked Road to Perdition. Up first, we've got Mike with his vote. Um, not a whole lot really to say about these movies. Uh Road to Perdition's one. It's kind of easy to forget. It's a comic movie. It's a good, it's a very good movie. I I remember enjoying it. I remember seeing it once. It doesn't feel like a comic book movie. 
so in a way, like not, I'm not necessarily saying that needs to be a requirement, but you know, there's just something about when you're having a bracket about comic book movies, you'd be like, you should have an immediate connection to, oh yeah, that might've been a comic. And like, I actually had kind of forgotten that that was the case. Aquaman, it's not as good as Wonder Woman, but it kind of continues the DC, uh, use streak, DCEU streak of making movies that are a little, little lighter and a little more enjoy, enjoyable. Um, so to me, I think this is uh, this is Aquaman uh, over Road, Road to Perdition. I think Road to Perdition, it's a good film, but it's just it doesn't strike me as a comic book movie, if that makes sense. So for that reason alone, I'm giving it to Aquaman. All right, we've got one for Aquaman, Chris. If you listen to this show, I've told my story about Road to Perdition. How I received that movie for Christmas like three years in a row. Um, Aquaman is not a perfect movie. But Dead Silence aside, I love James Wan. I, I think he's one of the creepiest directors working today. Aquaman is visually stunning. And go back and look at Aquaman versus the undersea footage from uh, freaking Batman vs. Superman and recognize how much better of a job he did with the Aquaman look and feel of the underwater universe than Zack Snyder did. I don't care that... This sounds terrible. But I didn't care that Aquaman as a character didn't change throughout the entirety of the film. That movie is supposed to be about a king realizing he is worthy of his throne and he never really changes. He's the same kind of surf bro dude at the beginning of the movie as he is at the end of the movie. But I didn't care because, like, Mira's badass and Willem Dafoe is being Willem Dafoe. It's not a great movie, but it's definitely the better of these two. It's Aquaman. All right, second vote for Aquaman. Tony, what do you have to say? Sorry, unmuting problems. Um, I will say that Road to Perdition, in its own right, is, is a good movie. Um, I'm a huge Western fan, and going into that movie, I, I anticipated with the time period and, and the setting uh, that it would be a little bit more of a Western-style film. Um, it's not. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> uh, it it kind of has, and, and to, to play off what Mike said about it not really being a comic book film, though it is based on a comic, uh, it kind of has the same vibes. Uh, I don't know if anybody's watched the Preacher series. It kind of has the same vibes as the the beginning of the series of for Preacher, it where it, you, you're just not sure how it fits into this larger world. Um, to come back, though, to Aquaman, you know, Jason Momoa as as, uh, as Curry as Arthur Curry. Uh, I don't think you can honestly. It's it's such an interesting choice from the blonde haired, blue eyed Atlantean that most of us grew up with to a, a true Pacific Islander Atlantean to where it, it, it's it's a very interesting change to the character. But I think they it's something they pulled off well and. and the surfer dude mentality that Jason Momoa brought to it just added a whole new depth to a character that often falls flat on most people's radar. Um, you know, he's had some great runs in the comic books, but most people generally liken him to the, the butt of most jokes. So for what uh, James Wan and Jason Momoa were able to do with that character, I, I think it, it definitely deserves a spot on this list, and it definitely deserves a, a spot on in, the, in 32. So going to move forward with Aquaman. For what Zack Snyder, you know, loses in character development, he makes up for in casting. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we are moving on to Jen. What are your thoughts here? So I have not seen Road to Perdition. I have not even heard of Road to Perdition. I didn't have time to really go in and uh, watch it after I got these lists, but, um, I mean, Aquaman is Aquaman. He's not my favorite. Jason Momo is cool. Um, it was a, it was a good movie. It was a lot more, you know, colorful than most DC movies usually are. Um, I'm used to everything being doom and gloom basically, but, uh, I mean, it was fun. It is what it is. And Willem Dafoe is just awesome. 
But, you know, Aquaman Good. for the win here. All right, another vote for Aquaman. We've already got it moving on. But, Stephen, what are your thoughts? Well, Road to Perdition, it's a, it's a Sam Mendes movie, and it looks very much like a Sam Mendes movie. Uh, he's, as far as, except for probably 1917, where he's got the uh, one-take trick, he's a director that makes very above-average competent movies, but very safe movies. Um, he's actually a pretty good James Bond director. But other than that, he's he's a director that I'm never I'm never going to run out and see a movie because it's Sam Mendes. He's going to play it safe. Uh, with Aquaman, you've got another movie that's probably about the same quality, but they're trying to hit a home run. They're clearly swinging the bat, and I think I admire that. And since I feel like these films are on the same quality, I'm going to go with the film that's at least taking the risk. So I'll go with Aquaman here. All right, and we've got another sweep in this round. Aquaman moving on to the round of... I don't know what's next. 32? No. 32. <laughs> 32. Yeah, we're on 32. <laughs> Whew, all right. Our second to last matchup tonight is the seventh-ranked The Rocketeer versus the tenth-ranked Kingsman. Up first, looks like we've got Chris. I've actually given this one a lot of thought. Um, so much so that I decided I need to go back and rewatch The Rocketeer. And a couple of things that came out of my mind. Um, the, the first thing that comes up is, how in the hell is The Rocketeer rated PG? You've got ample gunfights in that movie. You do. Um, You've got threat of torture where they're about to burn a guy's face on a hot griddle, which, Jeff, I know you used to work at at Steak and Shake. That can't feel nice. It's not great. Do it all the time. Um, But it's it's a really fun movie. Then I go look at The Kingsman. And Kingsman, Matt Vaughn, Matthew Vaughn is a phenomenal director. He is. And the Kingsman might have the best like six minutes of action I've ever seen. The entire shot (laughs) in the church, the church scene alone is insane. Absolutely insane. But I went back and I watched The Rocketeer. And like I was 12 years old again watching a comic book movie before comic book movies were cool. It was so much fun. And there's problems with the movie. There's problems with, like, how does he slow down in midair? Because they never explain that. How is he able to course correct without ever using the material? Like, Iron Man did a great job of explaining that. They never did that in The Rocketeer. I didn't care. The Rocketeer is so much fun. And I come back to it and I say, top to bottom, I'd rather watch The Rocketeer than I would Kingsman. Although, if it's just a six-minute film, I'm watching that six-minute film from Kingsman over and over and over again. But The Rocketeer is a better movie. Even though... I have no idea who that lead guy is. I've never seen him before, and I don't think I've ever seen him again. All right, so I think that vote was for the Rocketeer. Oh, uh, let's see. We're going to move it on to Tony. So I'm actually glad I get to go a little bit earlier in this round. Um, I saw the Rocketeer years back because it was listed as a PG film, and can absolutely understand the apprehension of how that passed the board as a PG film um, doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that being said, uh, this is a very interesting matchup, in my opinion. Uh, you have two films that are kind of in the, almost the same breadth of, of air when it comes to comic book films and superhero films, and the fact that there's nothing superhero-ish about either of these main characters. Um it's just a full frontal film for both of these, almost from start to finish. That being said, um, I didn't latch on to The Rocketeer when I saw it. Uh, maybe I've seen bits and pieces since I, the initial watch. But Kingsman is something that I've always just enjoyed since it came out in 2014. Um, very, very well done movie. Some great cinematic scenes. Uh, and it's just really hard to get past all the suaveness from the Kingsmen themselves. Uh, that being said, I, I do have to move forward with that. It's just a well-put-together film 
um, that didn't necessarily need a sequel or a prequel. I think it, mo- it would have been a much better idea if it had just been that standalone film. I, that being said, I have not seen uh, a majority of the second film, or even if the third film has come out, I don't think it has yet. But um, that being said, Kingsman for me, moving forward with that. All right, we've got one for Rocketeer, one for Kingsman. Jen, what's your vote? So I have not seen Rocketeer in a pretty long time. Um, I do remember, I mean, it's, 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 it doesn't, neither of these movies really strike me as comic book movies. I mean, they're not the typical superhero comic book movie that you think of when you think of comic book movies. Um, Rocketeer has Jennifer Connelly, who I love. Um, she was in the labyrinth. Um, Timothy Dalton, another you know actor that's kind of everywhere, but not at the same time. Kind of underrated, I think. But um, I mean, it was cute. Um, Kingsman. I kind of came late to the party. I only saw that movie, the, the two movies uh, last year, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine was like, "Here, sit down. You're watching this." Well, all right, all right. I loved it. I mean, it's just so much fun. You know, there's a lot going on and it's just, I think it has like a little bit for everybody in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to go with, with Kingsman on this one. It was just, it, it sat in my mind longer than the Rocketeer ever would have. Cause I completely forgot that movie existed prior to this. All right. We've got another point for, Kingsman is it sitting in Jen's head as long as it's still there. <laughs> I love that last scene in the movie. Steven, what say you? So when I first saw this uh, potential matchup, I uh, thought it was going to be really tough. So I decided to go back and watch Rocketeer because I hadn't seen it forever in a day too. And it starts up and I'm thinking it's going to be a really tough matchup. And then I see Bland McToast personality playing the lead and I'm a little upset, and I see Alan Arkin, who's clearly looking on the side of the camera for his paycheck, and I'm disappointed. And then Timmy D, the best James Bond, struts on the screen, and oh my gosh, does he, <laughs> like he does in all his roles, light it up like the 4th of July, and suddenly that movie becomes so much fun. He is my favorite Nazi by far. <laughs> um, Kingsman, I still really love it. Uh, uh, it's still a good send-up of the James Bonds. That's, that's what it is. It's a take on the James Bonds. Uh, and it's a fun playing around there, and Samuel Jackson does the same thing in that that Timothy Dalton does in Rocketeer. They both just kind of come in and interject energy into it. Objectively, I still think Kingsman's a little bit better put together. I think... There's just a very slow start to the Rocketeer. And I do have a problem in that I don't feel like the Rocketeer himself, there's nothing. Here's the thing. To become a superhero, what makes them people we admire, before they become a superhero, they have to have the worst day ever. Krypton's got to blow up. Uncle Ben's got to be shot. You have to have something that puts you into a crisis moment, and you could choose after that crisis whether you're going to become a supervillain or a superhero. The Rocketeer's crisis moment is that his plane gets damaged and he's going to have to do some circus tricks for a while until next year. Uh, I mean, Etsy doesn't have that, but Etsy's not a superhero in The Kingsman, so that's not as big for me. Plus, he's clearly starting at a place of disadvantage. He's clearly had the worst day ever, even though we're not... to what that is so i think the kingsman is the better movie but big shout out to timmy d doing his darndest the best james bond fight me oh i can't wait for those james bond episodes but it looks like we've got three votes for kingsman mike what would you like to say here i would like to say i was fully prepared to have my heart broken on this one and i can go ahead and confess it now chris i won't actually have to commit it because, but this was going to be the vote in the round of 32 that was going to threaten our friendship. I had the Rocketeer moving past the Dark Knight. I love the Rocketeer. For, as a pure comic book movie, 
I just think it, it as a pure pulp comic like thing. It's like, ah, oh, it's just so good. Look, all right, Jennifer Connelly. Has there been a more beautiful woman committed to celluloid than in that movie? She kickstarted my adolescence at the tender young age of ten. <laughs> is is Bill Campbell completely? boring and bland yes he is but that allowed me to project myself onto him and imagine myself as the rocketeer because he's a nothing person like i could it was, there was no personality there it was just an everyman type of dude i could easily say that alan arkin yeah you know is he kind of mainly being sure but he's still fun as steven said timothy dalton possibly the best nazi on screen ever and and can we just get a shout out for the time when it was very unequivocally clear that even like America was against Nazis back in 1991. It was unequivocal about that. It, the, the scene at the end when the mobster goes, wait a minute, I may not be an honest person, but I'm an American. Fuck you, you stupid Nazi. Like, like, oh, God, so good. I knew it wasn't going to move, probably not even past the Kingsman. I love the Rocketeer. I, and I will, I will put that out there. Love, 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 love the Rocketeer. I feel a little bit more validated right now. I'm not going to lie. You, Chris, you, you gave me hope. I thought it was going to be 4-1. So. Well, it was close. But we do have an upset, finally, in this bracket of sweeps. Kingsman, the 10th seed, is moving on over the 7th seed of the Rocketeer. For our last selection of the evening, we've got the 2nd seed of the Dark Knight versus the 15th seed of Constantine. Let's get this kicked off, Tony. So I'm not going to say much on The Dark Knight. I don't think much needs to be said, and I'd rather save it for round of 32, round of 16, wherever this does end up, or, you know, final four, possibly. I'm going to save it for then. Um, I do want to talk to Constantine, because it is one of the the first darker, you know, more grittier films that I saw uh, when it comes to comic book films. Um, What Dark Horse has done with Constantine and his John Constantine and his character over the years it, it it's been very interesting you know we've seen him pop up in the DC mainline with you know Dark Avengers and Herb not Dark, the Dark the Dark Justice League and everything like that uh, sorry Dark Avengers is on the mind with the recent leaks um, what Constantine did though for a, a younger you know adolescent whose comic books primarily were Spider-Man and and 1970s 1980s x-men all the the very gimmicky you know happy-go-lucky stuff hadn't gotten much into uh to um frank miller and uh snyder and everything like that to where um it was it was a breath of fresh air when i was like oh wait there is this darker side of comic books Uh, this movie does that well too um 15 in in my opinion you could argue that it should be a little bit higher i think um, it does have its, you know, issues, I think, uh, from the tension between some of the characters with Keanu Reeves is as great of an actor as he is coming off of the Matrix. Uh, this might not have been the best movie for him. But that being said, Dark Knight has it, 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 it's a wallop of a movie to go up against. Not even fair. So uh, my vote is for Dark Knight, regardless of how much I've spoken on Constantine. <laughs> All right, we've got a vote for Dark Knight. Jen. So, I love Constantine. I love Keanu Reeves. I don't love Keanu Reeves as Constantine. I love Matt Ryan as Constantine. He's he's my Constantine. I love the TV show. The movie was good, you know. Um, however, Batman's my dude. Like, he's my favorite superhero. He's not even super technically. He's just rich enough to have all the good toys. Um, And Dark Knight finally brought about the Batman. As much as I love Michael Keaton Batman, Dark Knight finally brought out the Batman that I love. Because I love the darker side. The more gritty, dirty rough side of Batman where it's not the penguin. You know what I'm saying? Like that's more the Batman that I love. So I'm going to have to go with Dark Knight. All right. We've got a second vote here for Dark Knight. 
Stephen, what are your thoughts here? Constantine's a fine film. Um, there's a lot of big ideas that they don't really have time to develop completely. Uh, you know, I feel like they're trying to shove a lot of the comic book into a very short runtime. Uh, it, it is good. For, it's worth taking your time. If you need, again, you've got laundry to fold and it's on the Netflix. Go ahead and punch it up. You're going to enjoy yourself watching it. But it's not the Dark Knight. It's come on, come on. It's neither the movie we need nor the one we deserve. It's it's <laughs> the Dark Knight is clearly better, so it moves on to the next round. All right, and with three votes, it does. However, let's hear what you got to say, Mike. Dark Knight's a great film, uh, not without its flaws. We'll be dissecting those in future rounds. Uh, Constantine. As Steven said, as a lot of people said, uh, probably doesn't get its due. Uh, It's a a movie that's worth seeking out, but it's not going to beat The Dark Knight. All right. Another one for Dark Knight. And Chris, why don't you go ahead and finish this off this evening? Matt Ryan is my Constantine. The the show is phenomenal. It got canceled too soon. They moved him over to Legends of Tomorrow. He's freaking funny as Legends of Tomorrow. He's so good as that character. And I love, I love Keanu Reeves. And as much as I actually genuinely enjoy watching the Keanu Reeves-Constantine movie, he's not John Constantine. Matt Ryan is. The fact that the Dark Knight's not a number one seed is insane to me. The Dark Knight's one of the best comic book movies, period. Bar none. It's the Dark Knight. Like that. That's all I'm gonna say. We'll dissect it later, and there, it has its issues, but it's the Dark Knight, point blank. All right. Well, we have our one, two, three more sixth sweep, sixth sweep of this round. That is incredible, folks. Well, we uh in this bracket have the. One seed of Thor Ragnarok moving on versus the nine seed of X2. We've got Captain America Winter Soldier moving on against the number four seed of Spider-Man Homecoming. We've got the sixth seed of Avengers moving on against the third seed of Aquaman. And we've got the ten seed of Kingsman moving on against the two seed of the Dark Knight. It'll be fun to see where these all play out in our next round. But for now... We're going to have to call it quits. For the Pub Trivia Experience, I've been Jeff. I've been Chris. I've been Tony. I've been Jen. I'm Mike. <laughs> I've been Steven. You all have been wonderful. Can't wait to see what happens in the next round. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Sayonara. All right. That has been another episode of Boozy Bracketology. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Now, if you don't know this already, find us on Instagram at Boozy Bracketology, or if you want to be a part of the show, or you have a suggestion for what our next bracket should be, email us, boozybracketology at gmail.com. As you know, we will put out a new bracket each and every month, and we will finish that bracket in that month, no matter how many episodes it takes. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time.